scripture this morning is from the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, we will be working through verses 1 to 27, but in the interest of time, I'm going to read verses 3 to 14. Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? John 18 and verse 3. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen, came to him, to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that had been spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup? that the Father has given me. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you've spoken to us. We're thankful that you've given us your Son, the Word made flesh, to speak the words of God and to reveal you to us. And so we pray that your Spirit would reveal your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us, that we would see him high and lifted up, that his sheep would hear the voice of their good shepherd and know him and follow him. And knowing him, May we know you. So bless us in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. The good shepherd in action. Back in John chapter 10, a most well-known and beloved passage. We looked at it several months ago. Jesus, you know, said he was the good shepherd. The shepherd that David understood that the Lord was to him. King David, who had been a shepherd, who had rescued the sheep, who had fought back the lion and the bear and rescued his sheep. This David understood that he himself was a sheep who needed a shepherd and that the Lord, Jehovah God himself, was his shepherd. And Jesus declared in John 10, I am that shepherd, that good shepherd. I am the good shepherd of whom David spoke. I am the Lord. In that chapter, Jesus explained what the good shepherd would do for his sheep. What would, in fact, make the shepherd good. And here in this passage, we see the Lord Jesus doing those very things. 
the things that the good shepherd does for his sheep. Here in the late hours of Thursday night and the wee hours of Friday morning, good Friday morning, the day he would be crucified, as Jesus here is betrayed and arrested and questioned by the high priest and denied by his disciple Peter, we see the good shepherd in action. Now let's look at him. First, in this passage, you see that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes it from him. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and no one takes it from him. Now back in John 10, 18, I'm not going to make you turn back and forth between John 10 and 18, but in John chapter 10 and verse 18, you know, Jesus had said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received of my Father. The good shepherd lays down his life. He puts himself in harm's way for the sheep. The wolf comes and the good shepherd puts himself between the sheep and the wolf. But Jesus says no one takes my life from me. He must lay his life down of his own free will. Now John chapter 18, look at verse 3. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus said to them, I am. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. You see, Jesus comes out toward this band of soldiers and officers as they come out. He advanced toward them. Verse 4 says that Jesus knew what was going to happen, yet he didn't hide. He took an aggressive position. You know, Jesus had said, that the one who is not the shepherd but the hireling, the hired hand, he sees the wolf coming and flees. He's not invested in the sheep personally, but the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The wolf is coming. Judas and this band of armed guards with torches, the wolf is coming, and Jesus does not abandon the sheep. He steps forward and puts himself between the wolf and the sheep. Jesus stepped out and asked, Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered them, I am. Now I know in the English Bible it reads, I am he. And he was telling them, I am he, I am Jesus. But... He literally said in the Greek, I am. And you know what he meant by that. Moses at the burning bush said that the people would ask him, what was God's name? The God who had sent him and the Lord said his name was, I am that I am. You tell them I am sent me. 
And the word we call Jehovah, some call it Yahweh, it means I am. That's the name of God, I am. And Jesus invokes the great name of Jehovah God as his own. He says, I am. And the soldiers got the message. Look at verse 6. When Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now there are differences of opinion about these soldiers drawing back and falling down. Some say that uh, when Jesus invoked the name of Jehovah as his own name, that it was so shocking that it was literally a staggering thing to say, and the soldiers staggered and fell down to the ground in horror and shock. Others say that when Jesus invoked the name of God, that somehow the power of God broke through and knocked the armed guard to the ground. And I tend to favor that second view, that it was the power of God coming through, not just shock and awe. But good people have come down on either side. But either way, the point is that Jesus here claimed to be the great I Am. And whether it was the sheer divine power of that name that knocked them down, or whether it was their own horror that knocked them down, it was the fact that Jesus claimed to be I am that knocked these men to the ground. He is God Almighty. And no one takes his life from him. He is absolutely in control of this situation as he clearly demonstrates. He could do a lot more to these men than knock them down to the ground, but he is laying down his life. No one's taking it from him. He is laying it down. You see, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And no one takes it from him. Secondly, in this passage, you see the good shepherd protects his sheep. Now, back in John chapter 10, I want to read you a few verses. Uh, Jesus said in John 10, beginning with verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is no hired hand who flees. Jesus is the shepherd. Now, John 18, look at verse 7. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. These are his sheep. And Jesus says, let them go. Leave my people alone. Don't mess with them. This is between you and me. You want to get me, you come take me, but leave them alone. 
He's protecting his sheep. He's not fleeing. He's protecting. Then look at verse 9. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost not one. You remember in the previous chapter, in 17, Jesus said, I have kept all that you have given me, and none is lost except Judas, the son of perdition, who never was really one of mine in the first place. Jesus protects his sheep. He keeps his sheep. You see how he protects Peter in, in verse 10. You know the story. Peter draws his sword, cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, and, and you see John says there in verse 10 that the servant's name was Malchus. And I expect John mentioned his name because Malchus was still living at the time and Malchus himself could verify the story. If you didn't believe it, you could go ask him. Now Luke, you know, tells us that Jesus put his ear back on and healed him. John does not mention that. There's no contradiction. They just focused on different things. But, but look at verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? He rebukes Peter. But have you ever wondered how Peter survived this? Here's an armed guard. Peter pulls out his sword and chops off this man's ear and he's the servant to the high priest. Why was Peter not killed right then and there on the spot? good shepherd was protecting him and not one of his was lost so you see the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep you see the good shepherd protects his sheep thirdly you see the good shepherd obeys the father in John chapter 10 and verse 17 Jesus had said for this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again now you understand, the son did not earn the father's love by laying down his life. The death of Jesus did not cause the father to love him. It didn't even cause the father to love us. He already did. The father and the son have loved each other perfectly and infinitely from all eternity. And yet the father was pleased with the son's obedience to the point of death. The father approved of the Son's work coming from heaven, becoming flesh, His constant obedience, laying down His life all for the good of His sheep and for their eternal life. Father was pleased with it. Now look at verse 18 and verse 11 again. You see the end of it? Jesus says to Peter, Shall I not drink the cup but the Father? Has given me. Now John does not record it, but you know what Jesus had been doing here in the garden before they came to arrest him. He'd been agonizing over what he must do. And in his agony, he was praying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And that was the cup of judgment. The cup, the the prophets of old had warned would be a bitter cup to swallow if the people didn't repent. The cup of the wrath of God 
And Jesus had prayed, if there is any other possible way, don't let me drink the cup of wrath and judgment and hell, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. If I have to suffer, Jesus said, I will suffer. If I have to die, I will die. If I have to drink the cup of your wrath and hell, I will drink the cup. And when they come to arrest Jesus and take him away, and Peter draws his sword and chops off Malchus' ear, John does not record the part about Jesus healing Malchus. Instead, John wants to focus on what Jesus says to Peter. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me. The Father sent me into the world to lay down my life for my sheep. The sheep he gave me. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life for the sheep. The Father was pleased. He was satisfied with the son's obedience all the way to death. And that's why we can be saved. The only basis on which you or I or anyone else can ever be saved is that the father was pleased with the death of the son. Isaiah says it pleased the Lord to crush him. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes it from him. The good shepherd protects his sheep. The good shepherd obeys the father. Fourthly, the good shepherd keeps his sheep. In John 10, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus says his sheep will never perish. He says I give them eternal life and no one can snatch them out of my hand and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Christians have debated and argued over the centuries, can a Christian lose his salvation? And the simple answer is no. A Christian cannot lose his salvation. But deeper than that, there is something wrong with the question, can a Christian lose his salvation? Jesus says nothing can snatch us out of his hand or the Father's hand. They both have us in their hands and they are one undivided God. See, the real question is not, can a Christian lose his salvation? The real question is, can Jesus lose anything that is in his hand? Can the Father lose anything that is in his hand? 
Salvation's not in our hands. We're in their hands. They both have us in their hands and they are one God. Now, John 18, look at verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Now this guard has taken Jesus to the high priest and Peter and this other disciple in verse 15 following this other disciple is John. He gives us all these details, this charcoal fire, the servant girl. He knows these details because he was there and saw it. And John had some connection to the high priest, we read, so he went in. But Peter remained outside, and the servant girl asked Peter, Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? No. I don't know Jesus. Look at verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants, the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter at once denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Jesus had told him he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed, and now he's done it. Three times he had denied Jesus. I don't know why the servant girl asked Peter if he was Jesus' disciple. Maybe she was just curious. But the powers of darkness were trying to use her to snatch Peter away from Jesus. And in the crowd in verse 25 and the servant in verse 26, we don't know why they asked Peter if he followed Jesus, but the evil one used each and every one of them to try to snatch Peter away. But no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the point here is not that the devil could not take Peter because Peter was so courageous and resolute as he thought he was. No, Peter melted like butter in a hot pan. But Jesus was holding him. The Father was holding him, and they are holding you. All who trust Jesus, you are in his hands, and nothing can pry you out. So you see, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd protects his sheep. He obeys the Father. He keeps his sheep. And fifthly and finally, the good shepherd is the lamb. Look at verse 19, John 18, 19. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples 
and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now let me clear something up here. Annas was the actual high priest. We read of two high priests here, Annas and Caiaphas. According to the Jews, Annas was the high priest, but for whatever reason, the Roman government deposed him and uh, put his son and uh, his son-in-law Caiaphas uh, to serve in annual terms being high priest. But according to the Old Testament, if you were high priest, you were high priest for life. So the Jews were in a bit of a quandary. The Roman government said Caiaphas was the high priest, but according to their law, Anna was, Annas was the high priest. And so sometimes when the Gospels talk about the high priest, they mean Annas, sometimes Caiaphas. And the Jews wanted Jesus done away with. So to dot all their I's and cross all their T's and keep everyone satisfied, they sent him both to Annas and Caiaphas. But you see what happens here. Jesus is brought before the real high priest and he's asked about his teaching and his disciples. And look at how Jesus answers him. There in verse 20, he says, I've been forthcoming. I've spoke openly. I've kept no secrets. I've shot straight. Why are you asking me what I've said? Ask the crowds. They know. Then the officer strikes Jesus in the face. Is that any way to talk to your priest? Jesus says in verse 21, If what I've said is wrong, bear witness about it, but why are you hitting me? Now Jesus was not trying to get out of dying. But what is John telling us here? Jesus is examined by the high priest. And Jesus maintains his innocence. And though he won't admit it, the high priest can't find anything wrong with it. It's way too late. I'm not going to ask you to turn. But in Leviticus chapter 22, verses 17 to 21, God gave instructions to the first high priest Aaron and to all his sons for all the sacrifices that would be brought. And God told Aaron and his sons, the high priests, that when a sacrifice is brought, you must examine it to make sure it is perfect. God will not receive a sacrifice with blemish. It must be an animal without spot or blemish. It must be a perfect sacrifice. And you remember way back in John chapter 1 that John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And John keeps telling us here as we draw to the end of the gospel that this is the time of the Passover. You see, Jesus is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. He is the sacrifice. He is the Passover Lamb, and the Lamb had to be examined by the high priest to make sure it was a perfect sacrifice without blemish. 
And Jesus here was presented to the high priest at the Passover. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, proved his perfection. It's interesting, you know, back in chapter 11, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the council met. They said, this thing's getting out of hand. The Romans are going to put us out of business. And Caiaphas, the other high priest, said, it's expedient that one man should die for the people. And this Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, prophesied that Jesus should die for the people. Caiaphas was wicked. He didn't know what he was doing, but he prophesied Jesus would die for his people. And here, Annas, the other high priest, he's just as wicked, and he has no idea what he's doing either, but he's doing exactly what the law said the high priest is supposed to do. He is examining the lamb. He is examining the sacrifice, and the sacrifice is perfect. The lamb of God Jesus Christ is perfect. That's the message. The good shepherd became the lamb. The lamb of God who would bear the sin of his sheep and die in the place of his sheep. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's a, I reckon you called a praise song from the 1980s that I like. It says, your only son, no sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side. To walk upon this guilty sod and to become the Lamb of God. Your gift of love they crucified. They laughed and scorned him as he died. The humble king they named a fraud and sacrificed the Lamb of God. I was so lost I should have died. But you have brought me to your side. To be led by your staff and rod. And to be called a lamb of God. That is our good shepherd. And all who trust him are his sheep. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.